Danke. Normalerweise klatsche ich, aber ich kann ja aktuell nicht klatschen. Yeah. Okay, ähm, also. English, English, English. The, the fact that we usually all speak German say, with weird, each other. It's weird to speak English with neglect too much. Yeah, it kind of like puts my brain in the German mode. Did you get that? I'm so also, ich verstehe nur Bahnhof. You only understand train station? It's all Greek to me. Understanding train station. Living between cultures with Josh and Phelan. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome to episode number three. It's been a bit of a struggle so far, so hopefully... Well, I, I wouldn't say struggle. Yeah, today's been a little tricky. We've had some technical difficulties. Oh, that's what you mean. Yeah. I thought you meant the past two episodes. <laughs> Like, <laughs> no, hopefully. I mean, so far I've had a great time and I hope that our listeners have enjoyed it as well. Yeah. But um, yeah, just to reintroduce ourselves, my name is Josh. I'm an American living in Cincinnati, Ohio, and um, I've spent a decent amount of time in Germany, kind of on and off for the last couple years. And you're also fluent in German. And I which speak is, German as well. Yeah, which is kind of what makes you very special because you also hang out with a lot of Germans here in Cincinnati. Yeah, probably the most... Um, German-American you'll meet. Yeah, so. yeah, you're a lot more German than I am with a lot of aspects. Like, and who for example, are you? <laughs> I'm Feli. I'm Felicia, Felicia. Usually I go by Feli. Um, and I am a German living in America. I also have a YouTube channel called German Girl in America, uh, where probably a lot of you guys know me from. And I'm originally from Munich, have been living in Cincinnati off and on since 2016. Originally came here for an exchange semester during college. And now I'm here with a green card. That's I love that me. you always say you're here with a green card. Like everyone's like concerned that you're here illegally. <laughs> well, like no. Well, I guess I'm like kind of like saying that for all the people who yeah. know about the yeah. process, which we're also going to talk about a little bit today. Exactly. Because you can't just be here, like as a German citizen, you can't just be in the U.S. without a reason. Yeah, we make so it pretty hard on people. So like my reason is I have a green card, so I can be here with whatever. Which yeah. right now I'm I'm self-employed, yeah. but usually it's always connected to like college or a certain job or like your company sent you over or something. Yeah. Like that, exactly. So, yeah. Um, but no, I just like that you always say, I'm here on a green card. I'm here on a green card. Don't worry, guys. I'm, here on a green I'm legal. Card. I'm legal. <laughs> well, um, maybe we should start off with some of the exciting news that's kind of going on in my life. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it is relevant to the channel because yeah. kind of our concept is to talk about differences between Germany and the US, but mainly talking about living in different cultures. Mm -hmm. And like I said at the beginning, I'm an American living in America. So not quite as interesting as uh, Faley's story, for example. Yeah, I wouldn't say so. But. I currently work for a German company, and as I've talked about on the po podcast so far, I've been back and forth between the U.S. and Germany, specifically Munich, yeah. um, quite a few times in the last few years. And I recently got an offer to go over and live in Munich and work in our German office for two years. So that's Just pretty awesome. exciting. Congratulations, uh, first you. of all. Thank I mean, you. I knew about it before, but yeah, so you're going to be there starting next year. So yeah, January exactly. 2021. Still working out the start date with Corona. Everything's a little crazy yeah. and trying to figure out visas sure. and all of that, which we're going to talk about someday. Yeah. I mean, it's perfect for our podcast. Exactly. Honestly. So for those of you who have been watching or are watching us right now on YouTube, which we have a YouTube channel as well called Understanding Train Station. You guys can follow along there if you want to see. We've talked about maybe putting a couple pictures in there yep. too, just so you guys can see what we're talking about mm -hmm. when we talk about like objects that are different in different countries, like yeah. in Germany versus the US. And that are US. like difficult to explain, then we can at least use the YouTube channel to visualize it a little bit. Exactly. But you can see we actually have a guest here today, yep. which <laughs> is perfect. This is Niklas, one of our very good friends. Yes, thanks for having me. 
Thanks for being here with us. I mean, you're you're here quite a lot at my house, but I spend yeah, <laughs> spend some, some Friday and Saturday nights here. <laughs> Thanks for being on our podcast. Um, Niklas is also from Germany, so right now we're two Germans at the table and one American. I'm outnumbered. You're outnumbered. The foreigners are taking over. So you have to leave the country. <laughs> but a lot of people would also say that Niklas and I aren't from the same country because I'm from Bavaria True. and he's from the north of Germany. So I guess let's just start with introducing yourself. So yes. who are you and where are you from and why are you here in Cincinnati? That's a big question. No, um, I'm Nicholas, 25, just outside of Hamburg is where I was born. So it's a little little village called Zed. Probably nobody knows that. So I always say, hey, I'm from Hamburg. Don't ask any further <laughs> Sounds questions. Sounds a lot cooler if, you're, if you say that you're from Hamburg. Yeah. yeah, I suppose I have to tell them, yeah, there's more cows than actually people where I'm from. <laughs> but no, I'm from Hamburg. Um, here since three years now. Spent some time in the US before on internships, but moved here in beginning of 2018 with my wife um, for a job. I am the CEO of our North American branch. We are a company, to keep it simple, we sell and buy minerals and chemicals. It's a commodity-based business. So very fancy. Mm -hmm. So for you, like it's, it's that part of the story where your company sent you over here. Yes, so I, I did an internship, company. my uh, trainee program with them in Germany for three and a half years. And I was just finishing up and mm -hmm. I said, hey, what do I want to do next? So I was like, okay, I can study, I can do this, I can do that. And I said, hey, Nicholas, why don't you move to the US? Our CEO there is about to retire. We're looking for someone new. And I was, I was 21 at that time. I was like, what? Are you sure you mean me? <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, they're like, yeah, crazy. yeah, yeah. You might be an, an option. So I came here for three months, tried it out. Had to take a flight back to Germany. And you tried it in Cleveland, right? Or I tried it in Cleveland. So yeah. my first stop was actually St. Louis on a conference, which oh, wow, was a okay. crazy experience because they just threw me in there. It's like a Hilton hotel at the St. Louis airport. It's, like, it's not beautiful there. <laughs> so I was like, I've, never, I've never been to St. Louis. So I, I mean, I arrived there. There were multiple things like, how does this toilet work? Why is there so much water in there? <laughs> oh, we didn't even talk about that. We spent so much time talking about bathrooms yeah, in and our then, last two episodes, and we didn't even talk about the amount of water in toilet bowls. That's true. The I think, well, we need to dedicate a whole yeah, we'll episode back to, to bathrooms, that. but yeah, true. So that was the first problem. And then I was like, oh, damn, the shower looks different. So I called my, my girlfriend and then I was like, how does this shower turn out? Complete the same problem. That's I was so completely jet lagged. Yeah. I was like, first time in the US, not sure what's going on. And she was like, I don't know, just Google it. So I Googled that, figured that out, just fell in my bed, went to sleep. I was like, okay, I'm done with this. I just need to need to sleep. At Wake least up, you could Google it I? because I literally told almost the same story in our first episode when we talked about first culture shocks and I was 16 in the US and I couldn't get the shower to work, but I didn't have a smartphone at the time or a laptop. So oh I had gosh. to like go out of my towel and ask the, like my host family how to turn, the turn on the shower. <laughs> no, I did not run around in the <laughs> in your towel. But no, figured everything out. Um, had a great time at the conference. I mean, some surprises there like American breakfast American cultures, but adapted yeah. quite good. Then spent the other three months in Cleveland, mm -hmm. which is a nice city if you know people there. The first month was quite boring. Um, took a flight back to Germany, stayed there for about two, three months. Did another three months internship, and after that decided, hey, this is something I want to do, and my company said the same. So we started the whole visa moving process, and then um, I think I rented the apartment here in February of 2018. And then you arrived here when? That's also, like, like I, I literally spent two days in Cincinnati before I moved here. Oh, wow. I spent one day one on a conference here and uh -huh. one day choosing the apartment. And then that was like in 
beginning of December. So you did view the apartment in person at least? Yes, I did okay. that. But then was two months in Germany, came back and just moved in. Crazy. crazy. And so part of the reason that you're here today is that, first of all, of course, like Josh and I want this podcast to be all about... Um, intercultural exchange and like life as an expat mm -hmm. and of course like the main focus is going to be on us and therefore on Germany, German language and America and English language but we also want to bring in other perspectives from other people um, and so Niklas of course has like a similar background but also like at the same time you have a different background story and on top of that you can talk a lot about the work life and yeah. the differences in work culture. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I guess before we hop into the questions that we really had prepared, I just was wondering, have you, from the from your childhood, did you ever think about living in the U.S. or was it really just something that just kind of happened because of the, because of work? It was like, it was really for work. I think yeah. I never did an exchange here. Like, Fili came here when she was 16. I stayed at home. I was like, I was never a guy who left the, the small village. I was like, this is my home. Yeah. I don't want to leave. Going to Hamburg or going to Spain is the most I wanted to do. Right. But then this amazing opportunity came yeah. along. And I remember they gave it to me. And I was like, okay, I'll, I'll check it out. Went home, talked to my girlfriend. And she was like, yeah, why not? So I applied. And I think a week after I applied, I broke my foot. So oh. I was I was out for three months. So I applied. Wait, I'm not sure if I knew this part of the Wait, story. Wait, so hold up. <laughs> you broke your foot. Were you out for three months because of your foot? Yes. Okay, I, so, we'll get to that because uh -huh. <laughs> that's so typical yeah, German. Yeah, something like, yeah. <laughs> and I was totally fine. Like, no pay cut, nothing. But um, yeah, I was out for three months. And like after a month and a half, my boss called. I was like, hey, can you come to Lübeck? That's the city where I worked. It's just at the Baltic Sea. Um, for a second interview, I was like, yeah, sure. So I asked my brother to drive me there. And I literally got the job in the U.S. the same day. Wow. wow. So they was like, yeah, let's just talk to each other. Go out for 30 minutes. So I went out on crunches, talked to my colleagues. They said, yeah, you can come back. And then, yeah, you can start. Um, and we just check flights to the U.S. So I was like, okay. So you got the whole offer and everything that I day. got the... I got the internship there, and then oh, the, okay. and they said, and hey, the, if this, everything works out, you get mm -hmm. the offer and everything. Okay. Sweet. But I just really like took the opportunity, yeah. and I was never the guy to do that, but yeah. I don't regret it at all, and I probably would do it again. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's how it happened for me, too. Like, maybe a little bit differently because I did it a little bit earlier, mm -hmm. but I never planned on coming here either. Either I only did the exchange thing because a friend of mine wanted to do it. <laughs> I'm the exception to the rule. I always wanted to go yeah, check out Germany. Yeah, you always did. Yeah, that's true. So maybe we should just jump in with the kind of the broadest question that we had prepared. And what would you say is, I guess, the biggest difference between working in the U.S. and working in Germany from your experience? It's how much the private life is direct into your work life mm. in the U.S. Oh, wow. At least for my job, um, I'm in sales most of the time, also in management a bit, but most of it is sales. And if I do a sales call, let's do, there's a customer I know for, I don't know, two, three weeks, and we start talking, it's like, not how the weather or something. It's like, how's your family? How's your favorite football team? Yeah. Like, where do you go on vacation? What did you do on the weekend? It's really 80% of the time is so personal. Like, yeah. I know the name of the kids of my customer. I know where they live. I know where they're from. I mean, college is a big thing, of course. Sports is a big thing. But, mm. like, you would never ask the person in Germany, hey, how was your weekend and how's your wife? They was like, right. hey, that's my private life. Leave me alone. Oh, that's so that's interesting, true, especially yeah. from the American perspective. I mean, I'm used to that. I don't work in sales per se. I talk with customers oftentimes defining technical stuff. Um, but really, that, that, that's a really good point. I hadn't really thought about that. But I mean, here in the U.S., you have to talk about personal things. Otherwise, you're not going to build a connection with someone. Yeah, that's just a really big part of American culture in, in general, I would say. Like I like on my channel, I talked about the peach versus the coconut mm -hmm. um, metaphor or analogy before. And uh, Americans are just like a peach. They 
share a lot of their personal details about their lives. Yeah. I'm not like I don't I don't want to say personal. It's, I, I think it's information. Like, I think what counts as personal in the U.S. is very different than what counts exactly. as personal in Germany. So, Americans share a lot of that very easily in the beginning, and like if if you don't do it, it means something bad. Yeah. In Germany, it's the other way around. Like there is just a very high threshold of sharing those kind of things with a stranger. And we really differentiate between different relationships. And I'm the kind of person here that doesn't really have that kind of experience with American work culture, but I can still totally relate because you can find this in other relationships in the US too, that like even in school, like with professors, for example, like that's the same thing. It would be a super professional relationship with your professor or teacher in Germany and in the US, like, I just knew so much about my professor's private personal lives and they knew so much about my personal life and I thought that was always a little strange. Yeah, even after they, like, I have some people who work for me and they are still in close contact with their professor and Mm -hmm. they're like, hey, let me call Karen and then she's gonna follow up with this and it's like, who's, yeah, she was my professor at UC and it's like, (laughs) yeah, and she's like living there and there and that's her husband and I think her brother's doing that and that job. I was like, what? How do you know all this? It's very common, but at least at at UC, I know a couple professors that would invite students to their homes for various various occasions. But what I was gonna say was, you kind of brought it up with saying my professor Karen, right? Mm. So was it weird for you at first to be on a first name basis with a lot of people who you didn't necessarily know or who were prospective clients? Yeah, absolutely. Like we call everybody with last name, especially I was like 18, 19, 20 when I did the sales job in the, uh, in Germany. And it was like last name only, even to my colleagues. Well, and for those yeah, of you who don't know. Ask, was it, so within the company too, it was more formal. Yeah, so. Did you guys sitz or did you do? Sitzen. Okay. We, like our company is very traditional, okay. Okay. especially in Lübeck and Hamburg. Like it's an old Hamburg company. It's an mm-hmm. old Lübeck company. We go by the tradition. So mm-hmm. I was wearing a suit every day with tie, wow. last names for everybody. And then you come here and the CEO comes out like, hey, Nicholas, how's it going? <laughs> like wearing his T-shirt. I was like, what? <laughs> what is this? Well, I think for the listeners who don't speak German, I just wanted to explain yeah. Zitzen versus Dutzen. And I think that ha- that plays a large role. So in Germany, there are two registers of speaking with some, or in German, there are two registers of speaking with someone that you, you just a, how do you say, Gesprächspartner, um, that you someone you're conversing a, with. Yeah. Um, and there's a formal way and there's an informal way. And in the U.S., we only have you, and we refer oftentimes to people as just by their first name. Whereas in Germany, if you don't know someone and they're a little older than you, it's very, very common, I would say. Depending on the company, it, it depends, because at my company, I'll... We have this little secretary who is old and I dutze her. I call her by the informal you. Mm-hmm. But, um, in the German part of your company. In the German part yeah, of my company. Yeah. So I, it, it depends a lot, but I think that can build a certain barrier between you and your colleagues or you and a client. Definitely. It's makes, a big part of German culture in general, especially yeah. work culture. So it would be weird to talk about too personal stuff while talking in the formal, if you were saying Z. I mean, it... You can. A little. Like, yeah, there's really, like, that language stuff is such a big topic because there's also these in-between things. There's, like, companies like Nicholas Company where, like, everything's super traditional and the the hierarchy is very visible and, like, everyone uses the formal address with each other. But then there is, like, the in-between where, like, people use each other's first name but Mm -hmm. still use the Z, so the formal address. See, I have an experience. (laughs) That's what my teacher did. Oh, really? Yeah. Like, even in school, that's a thing, too. Like, I don't know how it was for you, but for us in 10th grade, um, our teachers, I think, were, um, they, they were forced to ask us if it's okay for them to call us by our first name and to use the for- informal address. What did you say, Niklas? 
Were you okay with it or did you... I, I said I was you, okay with it. But, you didn't demand to be called Z. But we still had to call most of our teachers by the last name. Okay. So they yeah. said Z Niklas and I said Z, I don't know, have followed. Okay, that's, yeah. that's interesting. No, I never used the first name with any teacher in school. It, we do that in the U.S. as far as like, we don't use first names often. Sometimes, it depends on the teacher. Some teachers really like to have a close relationship with their, with their students. But right. in sports and also it was mostly with coaches at my high school, it would be very common to refer to someone as just like, I don't know, like, I, I can't think of a good last name of a teacher, but like, oh, I don't know, Kunich. <laughs> that was my high school German teacher's last name. But yeah. like, you just talk, refer to them by their last name. Like Wait, Gonzales. without Mrs.? Or yeah, Ms. you just be like, oh, I got to stop by Gonzalez real quick. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Wow, that sounds a little, like, disrespectful to me. Almost. Yeah, but it's very you say to them or just, like, to you? It depends. It really depends. I know students who would call their teachers by their last name, but not Mr. or Mrs. Like, just like, hey, Gonzalez? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Okay, wow, interesting. Yeah, but that's definitely a big difference, especially in the in the work life. What is the rule that you learned for Siezen and Dutzen? For me, if somebody could be your parent, Z, if he's the same age or younger, do, and only the older person can offer the younger person the do. That's how I, I was taught. I that's always, what I learned. You were taught that? I feel like... That's like what, what is, is, it, is it called Knigge? Or what, what's the name of it? Uh, Knigge. Yeah. <laughs> what does Knigge say like, to that? Okay, for me, maybe like my parents just didn't teach me that. But I would say like most Germans just have a feeling for it. Like, But I would agree with that, what that's you just a, said. Yeah, yeah. There's a rule of some. I've yeah. gotten into some awkward situations with that where like... Yeah. I, I'll sit, start with do, and then they respond back with calling me like yeah. the formal. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so Shit. uncomfortable. <laughs> well, this can either be like a, a subtle way of telling you that you should use the Z with yeah. them, or they just want to be respectful yeah, with you. Exactly. It could but either. In my in my case, it's another disadvantage of not having much of an accent. Yeah. It's like because I can't use that excuse of like. Yeah, because people don't American. realize. First time, have you just start talking with an accent? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Entschuldigung, ich wusste nicht, dass ich das nicht machen kann. Yeah, for those of you who haven't heard Josh speak fluent German, you can check out one of our YouTube videos on my channel um, called, what's, what's it called? American Fluent in German, I think. Something along those lines. Um, and you can hear him speak German there. And he really does sound like a native, so it's super confusing when you hear him, hear him speak German and then he makes a mistake like that that you wouldn't expect from a native German. So should we try to get back to the Definitely. topic of work? Definitely. Well, like the the whole like personal life and professional relationship thing is was super interesting to yeah, me. Yeah. One point. One more point to that yeah. is then after like two three months here, I said, hey Nicholas, you need to hire someone new. I think it was for supply chain, and I said, okay, they will come in for an interview, and here's the seventy pages of question that you cannot ask them. <laughs> I was like, I talk on a personal level to everybody, every customer I know, name, age, mm -hmm. I don't know where they're from, where they live, and everything, but I'm not allowed any of these questions to the people that I actually hire. Yeah. So it's like super strict. Because of discrimination, yeah. right? So when you when you hire someone and we just recently had it, they send you their resume mm -hmm. and they don't have to put their age on there, where they're from, yeah. and all this. And they also can leave out parts. So there was a guy who applied with us and he had like 15 years of work experience in there. And he had the college he went to, mm -hmm. but not the dates. So he showed up and I was like, okay, 15 years of work experience. He should yeah. be in his mid thirties, maybe 40. He was like 60. Wow. Oh, wow. I mean, it didn't disqualify him for the job no. because I was, but I was like, what? I think that's always something that's really interesting for me to kind of going through a German job search is how different your resumes are. How oftentimes you have to give a picture of yourself. Like that's yeah, weird. No, usually you have in to the have U.S. A you don't have to give a picture. You're of yourself. like explicitly not supposed yeah. to, right? Yeah. You also like in job descriptions in in German, it'll normally have MVD, männlich, weiblich, diverse. Mm -hmm. yeah. 
and you don't have that in the U.S. either. So that's male, female, or yeah. Diverse. So it means that they don't care which gender you exactly. are. So they're looking for either. Yeah, it's just higher just based on the facts that you see. So mm-hmm. we have these 17 pages. I remember it exactly of all the stuff that I'm not allowed to ask. And we just recently had another job interview. So about two, three years ago, I know what to ask and what not to ask. Yeah. So the normal ways you say, hey, tell a bit about yourself, and the person knows it. Like they tell where they're from. Like. What age they are, maybe sometimes if they have kids, they have elevator like, pitch. Yeah, and then they do the elevator pitch, so you know everything. So we did this first round interview with a candidate. We did a second round, and in the last interview, we brought in our CEO from Germany because it was a big hire. And he comes on, and we said, okay, he's an executive. He has twenty years of experience. He knows what he's doing. First thing he is. So, um, are you married? <laughs> <laughs> and our HR person. Oh. <laughs> so. We got around it. The person was cool about it, but yeah. I think most people tend to that you can't ask this type of personal question. But why would you even ask that in Germany, though? He was like, it's important for him that he has a stable life situation. Okay. He was like, I'm hiring people. Like he bullshit the whole way around it. So like, I'm hiring people, not like fact sheets. And he was like, he wanted to know if he's married, where he's from, like if he has kids and all stuff. I was like, yeah. no, 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 do not ask him anything. Because I, I would say the married question at least would even be a little bit too personal for me in Germany. Yeah, yeah. it would be. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's very, I mean, I just went through a pretty crazy interview experience where this guy crossed all of the lines. But in the U.S. Though. In the U.S. Yeah. Um, but I think the married question isn't quite out as, as out of bounds, I think, in my opinion of, like, I wouldn't be thrown off by that. But you have to be careful about what you say. So that's it's, a good point. It's religion, is yeah. all that stuff. Yeah. Exactly. Race. Race is important. Yeah. yeah. But not even asking where they're from. They could be two hours from here. Yeah. Like we don't want to hire someone who's commuting two hours every day. Yeah. Right. But no, um, it was experience. So very personal on one side and then do not ask anything yeah. on the other side. <laughs> well, I like, think I think that is really to the point of what we were saying about kind of the peacher, just defining what personal is Yeah. Um, and in which context Americans are okay with sharing a lot of personal information in which context they're very guarded about who they are yeah. and they protect their rights or whatever whatever we would want to say about that. Yeah, that's really part of like this whole cultural literacy almost to like figure out and learn when you can do what in which culture. And also like guys, if you can hear a bunch of rain in the background, it's the world is ending right now. (laughs) It started uh, thunderstorming while we were talking. (laughs) Wasn't forecasted, but we know how uh, weather people are. Maybe we can jump around because I think kind of bouncing off of that kind of business culture, you kind of talked about how it's very personal, but like, Establishing a, establishing a personal relationship with your customers in the U, in in the U.S. is very important. Um, I was just thinking about how golf is like very closely related with business in the U.S., especially when it comes to sales. Um, how does that compare to Germany? Because I don't have much experience as far as building relationships with customers in Germany. In Germany, is very formal. For example, you write way more emails in Germany than you're on the phone. Okay. Like first thing I do here is call my customer. Yeah. And then rather than sending an email, I send them a text. It's a personal level, they have to be personal attached to you, they have to make a decision in your favor, so you're trying to build this up. But hold on, I have a quick question. To their personal phone number or The work phone. Okay. So oftentimes people use their personal phones as their work I have one phone for everything. Yeah, see like I only did an unpaid internship here and I was supposed to use my personal email address, personal laptop, personal phone number and everything and I hated that because even for just internships, even for internships that weren't paid very well beforehand in Germany, I would always have my company email address, phone number, even like a company's laptop sometimes. So that was weird for me. No, it's that. And then 
you have to learn about the customer, what do they like, what do they not like. As I said, sports is a big thing. So, I mean, luckily I'm a sports freak. So, football, basketball, baseball, I'm, I'm, I was well known about all that before, but um, yeah. I had to learn way more, like which college is good, which conference is good, right. which bowl game is tonight, all the stuff I learned. I know people who actively in the U.S. who aren't interested in sports in real life, but they, they follow it just so they can be oh, a part of, of work conversations was, or business con- conversations. I was just going to ask, did you ever lie about your favorite team to connect with the customer? I did not. <laughs> so... I'm not like fan of like an extreme fan of. <laughs> okay. I'm a Cleveland Browns fan, for example. So everybody has something to laugh about, and like basketball and baseball, I just follow. I know what's going on. Yeah. But then, and the other thing is, there's all the sport phrases, like yeah. I don't know, scoring in the paint, um, hitting it out of the ballpark, uh, swinging for the fences. Oh my gosh! Throwing a curveball. <laughs> yeah, those you know, are, they're all part of like your normal. As an American, your normal speech that you don't yeah, like about hey, Nicholas, like, you're really throwing me a curveball here. It's like what? Can you speak? Oh my gosh, terms? I haven't even thought about I that. I know that yeah. one. Okay. You know, scoring in the paint. <laughs> no, I didn't know. It's that like one. a basketball term. Like in front of basket is like painted instead of the normal court. So if you're in the court in the paint, you should score. Like it basically means, hey, you're so close. You're in the paint. You better score. Also, ich habe dir eine gute Vorlage gemacht. Basically, like oh, you're so close. Hey, make the basket. Okay, okay. What else did I have? Swing for the fences. Uh-uh, didn't know like that baseball, baseball, trying to hit a home run. Okay. So, Do like, you know what a home run is? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it basically means like, um, hey, you always go all in. Like, okay. I go all in. Yeah, you don't okay. want you don't want to aim for something short or close by and go uh, golf and, and golf. <laughs> in baseball, you always want to aim for the fence so you can try. To so, get like, Nicholas is a person who's always aiming for the fence. Yes, I'm yeah. always swinging okay. for the fence. Yeah. Swinging for the oh, fence. swimming yeah. for. The- <laughs> Here we go. I'm learning stuff on this podcast. Go. I like it. So yeah, I had one customer who started off with all these things, and I was sitting there, I was like, "Oh God, what is going on here?" But I learned about it. Like my coworker had helped me a lot. I yeah. listened to uh, US TV shows, um, sport shows, sport podcast, mm-hmm. all the stuff, and you you catch up on it. So my English was good before, but the whole phrases. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. the part that was missing for me. Yeah. So how is it in Germany then, compared to the US? We're very sport centric. We're very, uh, we're wary. That was You're a very wary. German way of saying very. <laughs> um, we're very conscious about personal lives and really connecting with the customers. In Germany, it's just formal. You would say. Or? I say it's it's a lot more fact based. Like, yeah. hey, this is my offer. It's this price. This material yeah. is That's valid till this point. And out sports. Do we have any other sports? Besides soccer, <laughs> no. I mean, no. no so there's a lot no, of sports, really, but yeah. um, no. I don't think like I've never seen anybody talk that much about personal. But I'm also like the industry I'm in, the mineral trading, the, the steel industry is very traditional. Yeah. So it's yeah. traditional in the U.S. to talk about sports, to talk about yeah. private life. It's tradition in the U.S. Uh, in Germany, don't talk about it. Yeah, I would. I would say even that like if you're too personal, people will say that you're unprofessional and they will prefer not to work with yeah. you anymore. Like it'll throw them off more than it'll. But make them like I'd you. I'd say if you go more on like the startup you know, or media yeah, like exactly, you. Exactly, which is like my field. Yeah, yeah where everyone is, is using, everyone uses the informal speech oftentimes unless you're maybe talking yeah, about Yeah, so like if I think about all of my media jobs that I've done before, I think there was only one boss who we had to use the formal address with but everyone else even like the really rich people who like founded these huge radio stations we would like not even go by their first name but go by their nickname even Uh um yeah and it would be super informal and like people would do the stuff where they like talk about personal stuff and soccer and i think it really i think it really does depend on the industry you know from my experiences in germany as well i mean i don't know how it is in, in in the minerals um 
area or a branch, but as far as like a lot of technical or automation is concerned, we have a lot of suppliers who will stop by our office and they'll invite the group, the sales group out to lunch. And I mean, it's still very formal in the sense of we still use the formal Z. We still um, are mostly talking about work-related subjects as opposed to the U.S. where you wouldn't even talk about work. You would talk about your kids or your your life outside of work. I was saying dinner is very common in Germany. You okay. go out for dinner with a customer, you take mm -hmm. them out for lunch or whatever. But here in the US, you go out for golf. Yeah. You spend four hours on a golf course and there's not one single minute spent on business. Yeah. So you can't be an American business without playing golf? You can, but it, it, it's... <laughs> it's hard. It's very common in the US to have like company golf outings mm -hmm. or just... It's, golf is very important, especially in sales. I think mm -hmm. um, it's a very salesy thing to I mean, it's such a cliche. Or, I just didn't know. But it it's very really true. It's very true. Yes. So, quick question because, like, I don't really have all of that experience, especially in the like sales um, area. Yeah. Is it more like a male, like uh, very a much man so? Thing? I yes. would say it's a very male-dominated mm -hmm. industry. I think I just know from my experiences. Um, oftentimes, there have been discussions in rooms I've been in about how it would be advantageous to have a female making calls to cold calls to customers because the customers would be interested in talking to a woman more than they would be interested to talk yeah, in talking to a man. Like people say like, hey Nicholas, when you hire the next salesperson, how about a woman between 30 and 40? Yeah. Mm -hmm. It would go really well with our customers. Like, yeah, no, we cannot do this. Yeah. So like on those golf course meetings, like on those, go in those golf course meetings or outings, there's usually not a woman there. In my very that's, few that's like one to ten ratio maybe yeah, yeah. okay yeah. Interesting. So. I know in my group for example at work in the project management kind of quotation engineering work that I do I think there are about 12 of us in the group and only one of them is a woman mm -hmm. um, and she started as an assistant okay and she worked her way into the well at more, least she did <laughs> yeah exactly but it's definitely in my in technical sales or mineral sales or in import sales export But a lot of my customers, a lot of people in purchasing are women. Yeah, I was going to say finances, at least in my company where I work, it's almost all women. Almost all of the all of the finance people, our CFO is a woman, our head of the commercial group is a woman, all of the people who work under her are women besides maybe one or two people. Um, so I would say in HR and in finance, it's very it's much more common to see women than men. Right. It's a sales job, which is really... Yeah. It's kind of the alpha male... Um, out hunting, yeah, which is, but also that's the same in in both countries. I would say, yeah, yeah. absolutely, I would agree. With I was that. just wondering about the whole golf thing. Like, yeah. if you come to the U.S. as a woman for work, do you have to know how to play golf? <laughs> Maybe not as much, right? I would assume it wouldn't hurt. It wouldn't hurt. <laughs> yeah, you, I, I know. <laughs> It's a lot of old men in my industry, and I know that they love when a woman knows what she's talking about mm -hmm. with golf. So even <laughs> if she can't play, if she's out there, so they want they want it's more, they want her to be flirtatious. I'm just I mean oh, in yeah. my experience, mm -hmm. they want a flirtatious woman who knows what she's talking about. Okay, is kind of the role that women in in that industry tend to have, mm -hmm. which is not good in my opinion but it's yeah. unfortunately the state of the state of things yeah well i was gonna ask you josh because like we've talked about niklas's experience a lot and we're gonna keep talking about it but i was gonna ask you what you would say what is the biggest difference between the work life in yeah. germany and the u.s um I, i'm just thinking of i work a lot with customers not in the the hunting aspect of going and trying to bring in new <laughs> Do you like the word hunting? Yeah. <laughs> well, that's what you're doing. You're out on the hunt trying to find new clients. I'm, I'm trying to explain to my parents what I do, but I'll, I'll just yeah, have to go forward. <laughs> um, but I oftentimes have to work with the technical people um, and try to clarify a lot of those issues. And I've noticed that Germans 
are very structured in their approach to um, the German customer knows what they want and they know line by line, very detailed technical instructions. There's a thing in German called a Lastenheft, which is like a, a technical specification is what I tend to translate it with. It's, v at least in my industry, very uncommon to ever get any sort of Lastenheft from our customers. Oftentimes it's just an email, hey, I need a robot. Mm -hmm. And okay. then I have to say, okay, what are you going to do with the robot? <laughs> is it a Roomba? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So I would say that um, one of the cliches that tends to be true is that the U.S. is still very much wild, wild west. Um, in the way that we do business, mm -hmm. it's very, you got to be quick. You have to respond very quickly with oh, yeah. intelligent answers and move very fast. Mm -hmm. um, as opposed to Germany, where there's a lot more um, preparation and a lot more value is placed on um, technical specifications and making sure everything is accurate and trying to eliminate as much communication pretty much as possible mm -hmm. th that I can just give you a request and you know exactly what you have yeah. to do. Because we want to be efficient. That's exactly. German efficiency right and there. And I think that translates also into just how business is done internally within a company as well. Um, I work for a German company, but we have an American branch and we're a significant size of the, of, of the overall worldwide company. And th there's definitely clashes between the way that the U.S. operates and the way that Germany operates. Here in the U.S., we want to make changes fast to try to improve our processes I think it's very common for the American mentality to be, let's try something, and if it doesn't work, we'll adjust. Yeah. I was going to say trial and error exactly. is a Whereas lot more Whereas the Germans common. are very much, we're going to wait two years, we're going to plan everything perfectly, that way nothing happens, no, no surprises, no mistakes. Yeah. Um, and I tend to be more the German way. <laughs> yeah, that's so funny. Oh, no. like, <laughs> There's a surprise. One of the big reasons why I like the American culture so much is exactly that like trial and error thing, that yeah. you don't have to be super cautious and plan everything ahead. Just like go and try it. Why not? Like yeah. that's always what I say. Like the, the big motto of the American culture seems to be why not? Yeah. Um, what, what do you have to lose exactly. pretty much? And, um, and I, I value can, that as well. I can, yeah, I do value that. I can also see, though, that that could be a little annoying as a German yeah. in the American work culture because you probably feel like, well, this could be a lot more efficient. We could do, we could improve this process a yeah. lot, but Americans... Let's have a meeting and talk about it. Exactly. Oh, the meetings, the meetings are great. <laughs> but I, I kind of, I mean, these general differences are really interesting. Um, but I think maybe kind of getting into some of the specifics of what does a German work contract look like as opposed to American working conditions, yeah. if you will. Um, there's some significant differences. And I think um, for a lot of the listeners who don't have a lot of experience um, in the other culture, it could be pretty interesting to know how things work. Mm -hmm. Um, I yeah, think for you getting a German contract. Exactly. So I think just the co concept of a contract is a good starting place. Oftentimes in the U.S., unless you're in a higher position, you don't actually get a true contract. Mm -hmm. You have a, a work agreement. It's work at will. So that means that you can be fired at any time and you can quit at any time. Um, in normal culture and what's, um, we'll say, kosher or um, accepted as from the cultural aspect is to give a two weeks notice as opposed to Germany where correct me if I'm wrong, but it's very common. You almost always have to have a work contract. Yeah. And there's also something called a Kündigungsfrist, mm -hmm. which is, I'm trying to think of the English equivalent of that, but a quitting. You, essentially you have <laughs> to give your notice. Frame. Yeah. You have to give your notice of quitting. And oftentimes in my opinion, from what I, my experience is, it's three months. It's three months and it's both ways. Yes. And it's related on how long you have been with the company. 
So if you've, oh, really? if you've been with a comedy for 20 years, it could be nine months to a year. Wow. Oh, interesting. I yeah. didn't know that. I don't, maybe I never comedy. knew anyone who had been with a company for that long because it's not very common in the field of media. But <laughs> <laughs> so in the company I work for, a lot of people worked there since their trainee. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. they worked at 25. We just had someone 35 years with the company. Wow. Mm -hmm. And we had someone leave after like 25 years and they put in their notice and said, Oh, when is your last day? And he was, it was like, I don't know, February. And he was like, yeah, beginning of November. I was like, what? <laughs> yeah, I have like oh. nine months and then I have some vacation piled up. That's and crazy. So they actually work there, like do whole projects and everybody knows they are leaving. Yeah. And also there's people who like say, hey, I quit, but they don't want them to work there anymore. So they can't steal any information or learn about their customers. So they just tell them, hey, sit at home, do nothing but we they can't paid. release you before in six months or so. They literally sit at home for six months and get paid. Yeah, I have one coworker who just recently gave his notice. Three months he had to give, but he also just had a baby. So he just set up Elternzeit, which is parental leave, which is another topic. Um, so he's essentially on parental leave for the rest of his contract, mm -hmm. and then he'll just leave after the end of his parental leave. But yeah, but it, so that that whole thing really makes the whole work life in the U.S. a lot quicker and everything changes a lot faster. Yeah. Whereas in Germany, even just with the three months, which is still a long period of time, pretty much, um, people can plan ahead a lot more. And, and there's a lot can, more job security. Exa exactly. And like people know that if they're going to get fired now, they'll have three months to find something new to maybe change their living arrangements or something like that. Whereas in the U.S., you can lose your job within two weeks and then suddenly you're from 40 hours a week of work to unemployed. You've probably seen in the movies where they bring the box yeah. to your desk and say, time to get out and you have to put all your stuff in the box yeah. and leave. I mean, uh, which, which can be good because you can find a job very quickly and, and, you and can last change minute. Over. Exactly. And you can get rid of bad employees. I mm -hmm. have to say, in my experience, that's one, one thing that's really I appreciate about the American culture or work culture is that it, you have to do a good job. You're right. Oh yeah. Otherwise, about it, you'll be you'll be out the door as opposed to Germany, where it's very hard to get rid of um, bad employees, and you just kind of figure out how to live with them. In my opinion, if you have a bad experience. employee and maybe he's also in the union, like he will be there forever. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so w for employees, it's great because there's a lot of security yep. in the German work culture and work life, but for, especially for employers, it's probably a lot nicer in in the U.S. Yeah, yeah. so when when we start. Whoa. <laughs> There's some thunder for you oh, guys. Wow. And this was almost at the exact same time as the as the lightning. That means so it was it very close. Right here. It's not raining anymore though. <laughs> is that a good thing? <laughs> I don't know, maybe the tornado is coming. No, but something that we always say if we say, Hey, I want to hire someone new and he has to say, Hey, yeah, Nicholas, do it, it's a limited risk. Yeah. If we don't like him after four weeks or her, two weeks max, then we still have to stuck with him. Yeah. Exactly. It's I don't like good, bad. Just different. It's different. Yeah, there's pros and cons. But also the the economy is built on this. Yeah. So, I mean, what do you say? The average American changes their job every three years. I think I I actually once got advice from a mentor that said if you're in the same job after three years and you need to quit, yeah. otherwise you won't continue to progress. Yeah. If you want to go career, up the ranks, yeah. you should change every three years. That's what I heard also. Yeah, which is the same in Germany for some fields, but mm -hmm. like not the field that you're in, Niklas, as we as we talked about. No, I'm, I'm with my company now for six years. Yeah. And like, and that's a good I mean, thing. I had great opportunities. I went from yeah. trainee to like working there for three, uh, six months to CEO, which is not the normal way. <laughs> but um, a lot of my colleagues, hey, they know. Okay, I worked another five years. I will be a business unit manager. And exactly. they, another yeah. five years, I get my promotion. They have a clear structure of that yeah. day. Yeah, they're gonna be.
Yeah, I think I think that's really interesting. And like you said, it's just different culture. Uh, we don't really have a saying for it, but anderes land, andere sitten. Mm-hmm, yeah. Um, diff- well, different country, different habits. customs. Customs, yeah. I was going to say habits, but customs is better. So maybe, but also, sorry, I was just yeah. going to add um, just one more thing because like the whole um, switching jobs thing that that's so common in the U.S. also goes along with um, Americans moving a lot. Yeah. Which I feel like is a lot more common than in Germany. And oh, that's absolutely. often connected to the parents switching jobs and like moving across mm-hmm. the country we, for our, their jobs. our headquarters in munich is now changing from one side of the city to the other side of the city oh. and it's a big deal because everyone has their yeah. homes close to the headquarters like they've planned their entire life about being able to ride their bike to work and yeah. like now they're gonna have to travel all the way through munich to the mm-hmm. complete wow. other through side traffic. <laughs> so a lot of people will probably quit do you not have a reason. union we do Betriebsrat? Yeah. yeah we have Betriebsrat. And they, didn't oppo- they didn't oppose it i'm sure they did but in the end, I don't know. Like, I mean, I feel we're, like, we're part of the IG Metall. Like, also, even like a strong union. Oh, yeah. So, I mean. That's crazy. In the end, it's going to be really nice because it's going to be an amazing headquarters where everything is under one roof and it's going to work really well for the company. But, um, yeah, I, I'm, sure it was a very, thing. I'm sure it was a very long process of ironing out the details and getting buy-in and also having to make a lot of compromises for the union. Yeah, but, but it's, it's crazy that moving from one end of, of the city to the other end of the city within one yeah, you're still city, the same city is still a big deal. Yeah. And in the U.S., people move from the East Coast to the West Coast through three different time zones. Yeah. And it's normal here. But I don't know what your experience is. Like when I went to school, like my classmates, there was never a person that left because their parents switched shops or moved somewhere else. Maybe one well, or two. Well, I went to school in Munich, in the city. Yeah. So, yeah, we had a lot of okay, people. I went moved. to school yeah. in Bad Oldesloe, so. Yeah. <laughs> people are born there and they die there. <laughs> Except for you. And yeah, well, I, I made guess out. Maybe you're going back and then you're going to die there, so. <laughs> but in between, you left. So we kind of talk now about, like, business culture, kind of your relationships, boss, employee, I think. Um, we didn't touch on that too much, but I know in your case, at least, you're friends with a lot of your your direct reports. Yeah, so we have a very young team. I'd yeah. say like 25, 26, most of them. Um, I got to know them through work. It's also like I moved here. I didn't know anybody. We had Stefano. He was 25. I was, or he was 22 at that point. I was 22. So we became friends. We went out on the weekend. And a lot of the people that we hire are fresh from college. We want someone who has some character, who is a good person, who we can train. So... We become friends. I mean, you went out with them. Um, yeah. I think we went to Nashville all together or uh, to Smoky Mountains. Gatlinburg, yeah. Yeah, to Gatlinburg. So it's... <laughs> no, we're really revealing our entire private life. <laughs> Isn't that what this but is about? We <laughs> still don't know our last names. <laughs> yeah. No, <laughs> no but um, I mean, the relationship is really, really close. And um, yeah. I mean, even for our sister company, it's also in Cincinnati. They have 300 employees. And they go on golf outings with the boss. They yeah. go golfing with him. I don't. Know. They see him on the weekends. They go to their houses, have barbecues. Yeah. They, yeah. I don't. Know. He's like, hey, I'm brewing beer at my house. You want some? Like my boss in Germany would never ask me that. Yeah, I, it's the same thing for me. I mean, here in the U.S., I'm very. I have a very close relationship with my boss. He invited us. All. He's Mexican. He loves to have everyone over. He loves to cook, and he makes us these great feasts. And he has this tequila collection that he loves to share with us. And it's a very close relationship. Um, in Germany, for me. I had a very close relationship with my coworkers and even a couple levels up, but the higher you go, the more distance there is. But even then, we didn't hang out much outside of work. I played tennis once with a couple of them, um, but in general, it's we would eat lunch together, which is great, but outside of work, and maybe it had to do with the location of where I was working, but 
people didn't really hang out much outside of work. Yeah, well, again, I have to say that like in other fields, that's very different. So in the field of media and like public public relations, it's just in general, like a lot more informal, a lot yeah. younger. So like I was friends with all of my, I mean, not with all of my coworkers, but I, but I had friends at every job that I did. So you, you would refer to them as your friends, not your work, like they would be a... They would all, I mean, like, I wouldn't be super close with every single one of them, of course, but like, we would all hang out together. And then with some of them, you would get a little closer. And I always had my work friends. Yeah. So like, I would, I would like invite them to my birthday. So they were my friend. And then I would say, I know them through the yeah. job. And that's how I, I would say it often is in my office too, with my coworkers. We even all went to Oktoberfest together. Yeah. But I would say it's a generational change in Germany. Like, mm -hmm. I'm friends with the people who are my age in our company. And like media is a lot of young people, startups is a lot of young yeah. people. And, so but th even the older people in media, I think, just like are a little bit more like younger at but heart. But they adapt the U.S. lifestyle mm -hmm. because yeah. media is so U.S. related. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Totally. Like that's they want to be like that and like yeah. happy hours or after work beer, yeah. or whatever it is. Like that's what we're trying to do in the, in Germany. Is that yeah. your translation for Feierabend beer? Feierabend beer after work. After beer? work beer. <laughs> I've, I have <laughs> never been able. To, I don't know. We don't. I mean, happy hour. Go out for happy, happy hour. hour. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, that's one of my favorite German Feierabend words. Feierabend. That's a little little detour, but for a German yeah. hearing the word happy hour, like if there's any German listeners listening right now, we will assume that that's um, a deal at a restaurant oh, yeah. or a bar. Well, which is kind of what it is in the U.S. too, but oftentimes it was a deal to get business people to come and network. Right, but like now I feel like people don't use it. Like if you go to happy hour with your colleagues, you're not always going to an actual happy hour. Does that make sense? Oh. At least like... Here in the US, you're saying? Mm -hmm, that's my experience at least. No, I would say if you say, let's go, go out for happy hour. Oh, you okay. can just go to a bar? But yeah, most but most bars have a happy hour yeah, special. Yeah, yeah, okay, 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 true, yeah. true. But you would call like, hey, let's do a happy hour together. It doesn't yeah. mean like, let's get a discount somewhere. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's what I was trying yeah, to say. You're not yeah, go, you're not going for the discount. Exactly, yeah. yeah. That, that's, that's true, though. Yeah, most do. That's that's true. I didn't yeah. think about that. You got to get there soon so you can get that happy hour discount, though. Yeah. But no, like in Germany, like if you if you say we're going to the bar for the happy hour, then you're actually going, you're you're going to check the time and you're going to be like, oh, it's, it's going to be over in 15 minutes. We should like, order three more cocktails. <laughs> No, that, I, that, yeah, that's a good point for sure. Uh, maybe we should talk about kind of some of the other things that go into a German versus American work contract. Um, in the U.S., we have a concept of PTO, which is paid time off, um, which is a set number of days that you receive for both vacation and sick days. That's how my company handles things. Oh, for you, it's, yeah, so it includes I, sick days? Yeah, so in my case, I'm very lucky. I work for a German company in the U.S., so I get... When I started, I got 18 vacation day, or 18 PTO days, which is a lot for Americans. I think most people get about 10. So can you split them however you want? So, so we have 10, no, five PTO days yeah. and 10 vacation days. I know a lot of companies do it that way as yeah. well. And the way I learned is like PTO is, is on short notice vacation you have to plan. See, my company is just 18 days. Take the plan, plan it. As, you know that you're probably going to get sick, so save a couple days for that, and the rest you can do whatever you want with. And, and then I've heard the term sick days a lot. Which Sick like, days exist too. Like yeah. I said, it really depends on the company um, where you'll get a certain number of vacation days and a certain number of sick, day, sick days. And then at the, if at the end of the year you aren't sick and you want a couple more days off, you can sit, call in sick and take one of the sick days, which isn't really... But you have, what, like five sick days? Yeah. Not and, and that's crazy. And it, yeah. it, it really like was big for me when uh, the whole corona thing started and I had a meeting with our sister company and they have a lot of production people and said okay what in the case someone has corona 
They say, okay, first they have to take their PTO days. Mm-hmm. So they have five PTO days. With short-term disability, probably. That, or they they cannot come to work, they're not getting paid, but they're not getting points. So we have a point system. If you get a certain amount of points, you get fired. Yeah. But all they did for them, for being nice, is like, hey, you don't, you're not getting fired. You're not getting paid, but you're not getting fired. Yeah, which is crazy. In Germany, it's so different. I was going to say, do one of you guys want to explain how the German system works then, generally? I mean, I, I can start, and then we can probably all I, join. I think, yeah, we talked about in. the beginning. Like, I broke my foot. I was out for six yeah. months, uh, three months. In, in Germany, in yeah. Germany, so, like, yes. in Germany, let's start with the sick... Uh, sick topic no like yeah with being sick like that does not have anything to do with your vacation days if you're sick you're sick and you can be sick for pretty much as long as you are sick if you're like sick sick for like over six months or like long term your company will figure something out with you and you might lose your job eventually but like if you have an injury for three months or if you're if you have corona if you have covid then you're fine you don't have to worry about your job because you have a valid reason not to be at work and you're still going to get paid and the government steps in and will pay the company for your yeah so the first six weeks you get normal pay and after six weeks, it's down to 60%. And I think the 60% are coming from the government. Okay, yeah. yeah. So, but it's still like, hey, you're sitting at home doing nothing else. Literally sitting at home doing and nothing. So how, how bad was the break on your foot? Because when I did an internship in Germany, I had a German work contract. Therefore, I was able to, they say, get written sick. Essentially, you get a doctor's note. Yeah. Dr. And, Summer. Yeah, and <laughs> if you find a good doctor, and like in my case, he's, I had a broken foot. I had a desk job. And he asked how long I wanted to be out for. That's what we call Dr. Summer or Dr. Holiday. Oh. <laughs> That's funny. Because you go like, hey, I'm not feeling good. Two weeks? Two weeks. <laughs> and then you have vacation for two weeks. Yeah, exactly. so they, they just write you So I got list. three weeks off, and I went and enjoyed Germany during my three weeks off, which so I technically wasn't supposed to be. My foot was but... broken, broken. Like, I had to get an operation. I couldn't oh, really? walk. Like, I probably didn't walk for like two and a half months. Oh, wow. Maybe a bit longer. Yeah. But as soon as I was able to walk, I was going back in. But, but you could, could you, like, walk with crutches? I was walking on crutches, but okay. I couldn't drive. That okay. was the main thing. Mm-hmm. So I couldn't go to my work and I said, hey, just work from home. Yeah. And I was still trainee. I think it was the, the end of my training. Mm-hmm. I didn't have a work laptop or work phone, so I, I literally didn't answer an email for three months. That's insane. Yeah. So, like, if you get sick as a German employee, you you don't have to worry, really. I mean, you, you're sick, so that sucks. But you, in the beginning even, like, if you just wake up and you're feeling sick, you can just call in sick, and that's not going to do anything. And then after the third day, you usually have to have a doctor's notice. Yeah. But you can be sick for three days without anything happening. And none of that affects your vacation. No, exactly. Which, if my research was correct... By law in Germany, you you get twenty six vacation days. I think it's. I looked it up earlier and it said twenty four. Okay, yeah, I think it's twenty four. Yeah, and then but really common is thirty. Yeah, that's for example. That's what I was yeah. offered in my in my German work contract. But yeah, yeah, so well, that's that's a huge difference from like just, ten just vacation think about days. It, Americans, thirty. What would you do with thirty vacation that's days? That's a month. <laughs> well, no, yeah, it's a month and a half. Yeah, yeah it's a month six and a half. Full weeks. Yeah, of work time, yeah. Of, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's Like, um, that was my question to my <laughs> boss in Germany is, what do you do with all of this time? <laughs> travel. Germans travel a lot. That's why yeah. we're known for, like, wherever you go to any tourist destination <laughs> in Europe, there's going to be German tourists. Yeah, that's In the true. U.S., there's going to be true. German tourists. In Asia, there's going to be German tourists. We're everywhere because we have a lot of time and also money, fortunately, to travel. Yeah, let's see. Yeah. And we and we also have this like culture that we um, believe that it's important to take time off and it's yeah. important to take breaks and relax and enjoy your life because otherwise you're just going to burn out and yeah. and you're not going to be productive. Exactly, and that 
brings up three things I wanted to talk mm-hmm. about, which just came to mind while you were talking, is einen ausstempeln, Weihnachtsgeld und Urlaubsgeld. Okay. Mm. So einen ausstempeln is um, clocking in and out, which I think is very common in um, a lot of production facilities mm-hmm. or, or more technical areas or branches, if you will, I don't know, what would you say, industries in Germany, where you have to clock in and out, even if you're a sal- salary employee, just to track your time, because they don't want you to work or you're not allowed to work more because you have to get paid on the overtime. Whereas here in the U.S., with my work agreement, it says this is an overtime-exempt position. Sometimes you will have to work more than 40 hours, yeah. but the standard work week is 40 Which, hours. Which, like, in the field that I've always worked in in Germany was always like that. Yeah. There was never a clocking in and out, and overtime was never paid. Yeah. So don't go into media, guys. <laughs> how, how was but it? You probably had in your work contract, you said you work 40 hours or you work 38 mm-hmm. but, Yeah, but you... But they don't check on it. No, but, they don't check on but it. But I yeah. think everybody has it in their contract. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I bet... In Germany, you could probably get some sort of recourse if you said, I'm being overworked, this is not what I'm... Depends on the field, like the industry, like in yeah, media, medias. there is a lot of people who had to go in like on the weekend, on their on their vacation days. Yeah. Um, like, for example, I worked for a public relations agency and they one of their clients was Vapiano, which is mm-hmm. um, a German um, restaurant chain, I think from Hamburg, actually. Oh, really? And they had a really big crisis back in, I don't even know, 2016 or so. And the person who was their public relation person had to go in every day at 5 a.m. for like months. And that wasn't paid. That's just like if you're not doing your job properly, you're going to get fired in that field. So like you either do that or you're going to get fired. The difference is in the U.S. you have salary positions and you have hourly. So everybody who's hourly needs to clock in and clock out. Exactly. Salary just work. Yeah. Which like in Germany, I would say most um, full time positions are salary positions. But then we do have like part time positions that are also hourly. But at least for us, all the salary positions have to clock in and clock Mm -hmm. out. Interesting. So if they work overtime, it says Abbommen. I don't know what it means. Mm -hmm. Have you ever heard of Abbommen? Überstunden Abbommen? Abbommen, Abarbeiten. Abarbeiten. Oh, yeah. Just like, hey, you have too much overtime just like go home early yeah you get essentially you get comp time yeah. so they say go home yeah they say yeah. like hey go home like you work too much yeah. yeah but um it's on the dot i think for us it's like 40 hours because we are in sales um you give me metal yeah. everybody who works with metal like 38 38.5 maybe yeah so, i mean and that's a short week for an american oh yeah for sure it's, you a, get, it's you a big difference lunchtime in between and all this stuff so yeah and then do you guys want to talk about what Christmas money and vacation money is? Because really that is a, a that is a foreign concept okay. to Americans, at least in my in my experience. <laughs> so Christmas money is in Germany, you normally get salary every 15th of the month or the first of the month. But it's paid once a month, not like in the US weekly or biweekly. And so it's 12 salaries of the year. So a lot of companies offer a 13th salary of the year, which is Christmas money. So in November, you get two times your salary. And it's basically, hey, use the second salary to buy Christmas presents. It's that crazy. I think what the original idea was. Yeah. But so, hey, when you do a work contract, say, hey, do I get a 13th salary? Say, so, yeah, yeah, you get Christmas money. So that's like, I get paid twice in November. Yeah. How great is that? And then vacation money is normally paid in May. It's like, depends on the company, you get $500, $1,000. They give you extra money. In that yeah, case. They give you extra money so you can enjoy Yeah, because your it's really more. traditional to take a three week vacation, like June, July. Yeah. I mean, some companies just shut down in a time frame because yeah. everybody's on vacation. Yeah, like especially like July and August, I would say, are very slow months for a lot of industries because that's the main time for people to go on vacation. Yeah. So they give you this money, especially to book vacation. Yeah. As you said, like Germans have money and time to go everywhere yeah. because they pay us. To go it's somewhere in the summer. Because that, that brings us then into what I was going to say as far as salaries are concerned. Yeah. Um, Germans have money, right? But in, in 
well, maybe not, I haven't looked up the statistics, but salaries in the U.S. for jobs that require, I'll say, a technical degree tend to be higher in the U.S. than they are in Germany. Yeah. Would you agree with that statement? Absolutely. Like salaries in the U.S. are way higher than they are in, in Germany, especially if you come out of college or if you do your training in Germany or university, you come out, I don't know, someone with a bachelor or master degree makes 50, 55,000 euros a year yeah. in Germany, and they have to have a good degree. Yeah. While you come here from UC, graduate with, I don't know, master of finance, whatever. Oh, yeah. If you have a master in finance, you're going to be making... Yeah, and you, you're a bachelor, and which is to my experience, not comparable to a German education, and you want to start with like 75, 80. Yeah. So, and with that, you're trying to say that it's lower than a German education? It's lower say, than a German education. I would say it's lower than a German education. Yeah, that's, education, I, I just want to bachelor. clarify. Yeah. The bachelor, a master, a master from the UC or I would whatever say, yeah, doing. masters are about at the, at the same level, depending on the field that you're in, but bachelors are usually... It's not comparable. Yeah. Like Don't say that more because educated. I have to get my, ba my bachelor's <laughs> recognized in Germany for my visa. Well, but Josh Bachelor is great. Exactly. <laughs> my, really my, also, my bachelor, my degree is one-to-one -one with the German degree. Yeah, it really also depends on the field that you're it in. But, um, but no, you start with like, let's say you start with $80,000 a year, which for a German person would be insane to make that money. Yeah, yeah. But what you have to recognize is our uh, school is free. Yeah. You like rent is way less in Germany, especially at least where I'm from yeah. in Munich is different. Yeah, I know that. I think in Munich, Hamburg, and I want to say Stuttgart recently became super expensive. <laughs> I also have to but say, but besides oh, that, rents are pretty low yeah, in Germany. Yeah, but if you take into consideration the vacation days, and if you were to monetize the vacation days that oh, you get in awesome. Germany, I think you would get a lot closer to what you actually would True. earn in the I US. I mean, yeah, time time is worth something too. That's a discussion I had with yeah, my boss when funny. I moved here, and I said, "Hey, look at your salary, Nicholas, but remember, you still have your thirty vacation days. Yeah, you pay." you get paid for four weeks that you don't work yeah, when everybody else has yeah. to work <laughs> so that's something but when you start here and you're off college and you move to a different city which you often do yeah. and you study in Cincinnati you move to New York you study in New York you uh, move to Philadelphia yeah. you have to move you normally buy a house often you're engaged when you're out of college a lot of people do that and then you have all your student loans so yeah. you easily can start with over $100,000 in debt yeah. oh well into that yes yeah. but yeah. let's say okay so a German person starts, I don't know, after, I think after my training, the first, I, don't know, I made like 30,000 euros a year, mm -hmm. which was a great salary for me. I didn't have a bachelor degree, so I just had my training. And but comparing that to the US, it's like way different. But we have the money because our life is so secure. We talked about like six months until I can get fired. I have my health insurance. I don't have any debt. I like, I have a apartment that kind of rent actually months to months instead yeah. of year to year so I can spend the money on travel. Yeah, I recently had to talk to one of my German colleagues about that is because I was having to explain to them how I had to break my lease or I will have to break my lease because I have a year-long lease and she didn't understand that concept. She was like, what do you mean you have to pay like $2,000 to get out of your lease? Oh, you do? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> I thought, and like, that's less than I would because I'm in my second year of the lease. I, th I thought you were just going to like technically sublease to well, a new person. That well, was, that was the original plan, but okay. that kind of has fallen through. So oh, hopefully we could still possibly find a replacement for me. But if I can't, then I'll have to technically break my lease and you have to give 30 days notice and then pay a lease breaking fee. Yeah, because in the U.S. you usually sign the lease when you rent out an apartment or a house. You sign the lease for an entire year. Yes. So, like, you already commit to that year. Yeah. Also, like, it's usually common to, like, the lease is usually not longer than a year. So that also makes it kind of flexible. Mm -hmm. um, but in Germany, it's common that 
leases usually don't have any end date. Mm, okay. Unless like there yeah. is some like befristete Mietverträge are also a thing, yeah. but they're just like if you're if you're not lucky, you get like a limited yeah. lease. Um, but mm. that's not the norm. The norm is that it's unlimited, yeah. and that's I've had also the reason why a lot of Germans don't move a lot, yeah. even within the same city. That like I've had mean. leases where the first year you have to agree to a full year, but then after that you can change from a year lease to a month to month, but then the rent goes up. Yeah. Oh, so you have to pay more for the flexibility. So basically in Germany, it's technically always month to month, but like quote unquote, because usually you also just as with jobs, you have a three month um, Kündigungsfrist. <laughs> How did we translate you it earlier? You have to give um, <laughs> a three month, three month notice. notice. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, but with all of these points, like I know how much I pay for my lease. I know I can get out there. I'm not like surprised by any doctor bills because yeah. German health insurance, you have like really low deductibles. Yeah. So we can plan way better yeah. and that's how we can spend money on travel or I don't know, cars, whatever yeah. you want to do. <laughs> and, and Germans just in general also like are just a little bit better at budgeting just that's because we, we learn it a little bit better apparently. Yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> that's not, as, I, I'm interested and maybe we'll talk about this off, off air too because I just, as far as financial literacy in Germany and financial literacy in the U.S. and how you're taught, if it's just something that's taught in the family or you're just expected to figure out on your own or do they teach it in schools. Um, I think maybe that would be an interesting topic for one of our I think it's a mentality thing, but yeah, let's let's talk about it sometime. Yeah, because, I mean, I had a personal finance class in high school, but they never I taught don't... us how to fill out. No one ever teaches you how to fill out a, um, your, your taxes or any of that. We don't learn that either. Yeah. No. But it's easy in Germany. Only one tax return instead of... Like three. Yeah. That was also a surprise when I moved here. So federal, state, state and city. If and you, the city of Cincinnati forces you to like uh, three tax returns. Tax returns. Yeah. Um, okay, let's go back to all the topics that we talked about. So we did talk about the vacation, mm-hmm. money. Was there anything regarding all of that that you wanted to talk about too? I I, I don't have anything else listed um, besides just maybe talking about the process of being able to move abroad. Yeah, I definitely wanted to talk about that. Like the whole like visa process and and regulations, limitations. I already kind of, well, a little bit talked about how it was for me. I don't even think I went into detail, but people can look it up on my YouTube channel. But for you, Nicholas, it was way different because you are on a completely different um, visa. Yeah, I'm on an E2 visa, which is basically an investment visa, which means my company, the company I work for, moves a certain amount of money through the US and then we invest into the local infrastructure. So we build a warehouse. And based on that investment, we are allowed to bring management over to the US. And I was lucky enough that um, a colleague of mine moved here three years before I did. So he had the whole, first you need to register the company that they actually qualify and then you need to register yourself. So the company was still registered, so I didn't have to do that. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, here's the paperwork, Nicholas, to register yourself. And I was like, what is this? And I said, don't worry, you get a lawyer on your side. He's mm-hmm. doing everything for you. That's but nice. From my parents or my brother or my girlfriend, they checked everything. They even wanted to know where my Facebook account is. Are you serious? Yeah, oh, like, wow. it's That's optional, intense. but they said, hey, better put it in there. So was this the lawyer who was helping you get yeah, the lawyer everything, went everything. And all of that? Um, I had to get three recommendation letters. I had to show that I'm actually like a managing position here. And then um, like introduction letter, it was like a resume where I like yeah. praise myself how great I am. Yeah, that's very And American. then I took all this and I had to go for, to Frankfurt, to mm-hmm. the US embassy in Germany. And I had to do an interview, which was super strict. So I had to go, you had to, go to the embassy? Could consulate. You? Consulate, yeah. sorry. Okay, yeah. No, that makes sense. Consulate. But, for example, you're not allowed to bring your phone in there. But they also don't take your phone. So either you travel to Frankfurt without your phone, 
or you just leave it somewhere outside. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, just as a disclaimer, that's the case for all visas, even temporary visas. If you come to the U.S. as a as an exchange student, oh, student, yeah. you always have to do these interviews, and you're yeah. it's and always I, the, I will same. Have to do the same. I do the same thing with the German. Yeah. Did you go to Frankfurt? For well, I got different visas. Um, for my student visa. I always went to Munich. So I've had four different visas at, at this point. So I went to Frankfurt twice and to Munich twice because there's also a consulate in Munich, but they only do the temporary ones. So Same the non-immigrant one in ones. As well, but. And the one in Frankfurt is the only um, place in Germany where you can do the immigrant visas, right. which for me was the green card and for you the E2. The E2 is not an immigration visa. But so what, what, which category is it then? It's an investor visa. But like, so, but there's like yeah, two I'm different- I'm still considered a visitor. Okay, so you're it's a, non, a non-immigrant. Yes, and I'm, that's why he can't go to Germany right now because he wouldn't be able to get yeah, back. Yeah, I'm, I'm not a resident. Right. I'm still okay, a visitor. Okay, but they still didn't do it in, in Hamburg. Or no, in it's, they say, hey, you have to go to mm-hmm. Frankfurt. This, this is situation? a great example of how complicated the American um, immigration system is. It is. Compared to Germany. So it's very strict. It's very strict. Compared to what I will have to do to be able to get a German visa, it's relatively simple. I mean, for, in my case, I just, like I said, because of the type of... Um, residency permit I'll, I'll need or I'm going to apply for. I have to get my degree recognized um, to show that I'm a, what do you say, Fachkraft, like a expert in my field or that I have a, an yeah, education. that I'm an education. And then also I just have to have a work contract. Mm-hmm. And then I just have to fill out like one, two page form and go to my interview with all of my documentation and say, here you go. Yeah. Is there anything about your company? Like they went through all our financial records. I think since it's not an investor visa or anything like that, they won't have to go in depth. And what's interesting too is, in the U.S., we talk about defending our our market, our our work market, or our labor force or labor market. Um, oftentimes, so I have that mentality, right? Of foreigners are going to come in and steal jobs. Like that's what you hear a lot in the U.S. And I called. I was getting some advice in Germany, and I called one of like the hotlines with one German government office and. I was asking about the process, and he said, yeah, the Arbeitsagentur will probably have to take a look at it. Um, and I said, the Arbeitsagentur is like the labor labor agency in, in Germany. And I said, yeah, they'll pro- it makes sense. So probably you're going to want to look to make sure that um, I'm not stealing a job from a German, that there's not a German that could potentially take this right. job. And he said, oh, no, it's we want to make sure that you're making enough money that the company isn't <laughs> treating you poorly. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, I would have totally expected the same thing as you. (laughs) But he was like, no, I mean, they used to check for that. But what they're really checking for is to make sure that the working conditions for you are are legal. I was like, this is awesome. (laughs) Nobody checked that for me. No, no, no. I mean, everything was great. Immigrating to the U.S. is really strict. Like, as you said, the interview for for you was really strict for me, like, especially for the green card. Because, like, the the temporary one, like, for the exchange student visa was not that strict. They just want to make sure that you have a reason to come back to Germany and not use the visa to then overstay your visa and stay illegally. Um, But the the green card one definitely was a, a little more strict. And, like, they basically, at the interview, but then also when you immigrate, at the airport or like wherever you enter, enter the country, they pretty much always treat you almost as a criminal, I would say. You're like, they're it's, very oh, suspicious. Yeah. It's more guilty until proven yeah, innocent exactly. rather than the other So when I, when I come back from San Marino, I, I went to vacation in Mexico, came back, I have to go through the visitor line. Yeah. And they don't say like, welcome home or welcome back or something. They check everything. Why are you here? I was like, I live here. And like, what do you do? You with don't this? live here. I, like, I, 
I'm currently, I don't know, I'm currently staying in. I know people have gotten yelled at for saying I yeah. live here, and they yell at them and say, you don't live here, you're visiting. Oh, yeah, they, they don't say, like, you live here. It's like, oh, you currently you currently work here? Mm-hmm. And then they check that my expir- like the expiration date on my visa, and they don't stamp it any longer than that, and my passport is still valid. So yeah. it's a long process, and I need to plan another hour or two at every... every I'm interested place. to see how that works for me when I go to Germany, because getting the visa is one thing. But then when you arrive, getting through customs with all of that, I'm not anticipating a lot of issues. Yeah, I'm sure it's going to be very quick. <laughs> yeah, but it just will be interesting to be able to compare my experiences yeah. going through as an American into Germany as For opposed sure. to hearing about the stories from a lot of my foreign yeah, friends like, coming to the I've, US. Yeah, I've been in secondary inspection so many times. Because you overstayed. Yeah, we'll talk about that another time. <laughs> But also, like, even without that, they probably would have done that at some point. Because if you keep coming back on different visas as technically a temporary visitor, but you, like, still keep coming back, like, the next year and again and again, um, they're going to, like, investigate you. For you, if you come back to the U.S., how strict is it? Like, when you come back, do they ask you questions and everything? Yeah, I mean, you have to fill out the customs form of, like, are you bringing anything illegal back to the U.S.? And then they they ask what I did. Or where I was, and I say, Germany, and they say, what for? And I said, work or pleasure or whatever it may be. And they said, okay, welcome but home. And they do say, back, welcome home. We just scan our passport. Yeah, you don't even I don't talk to Yeah, going to Germany, yeah. You don't have to talk to anybody. I mean, there is this thing in the U.S. too where, like, as a green card holder or a citizen, you can do the automatic thing too, yeah. right? I forget what it's called. Uh, it's called global entry. But you have to pay yeah. for it. To pay for it, you have to go through this whole process. There's an interview. Yeah. So it's still different, but like, yeah. yeah, as you said, Niklas, in Germany, when I arrive, I just scan my passport at the like little turnstile thingy or like yeah. automatic door thingy, and they just check my, automatically check my face, and that's it. I'm in. Yeah, they, nobody greets me, nobody. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, maybe maybe there's going to be a lot of criticism about this, because obviously, like, it's, it's very obvious that it's a lot harder to enter the U.S. than it is entering Germany. Yeah. Yeah, but U.S., like, I travel a lot for work. I've been to China, South America. I'd say U.S. is one of the hardest. It's pretty similar to what I have to do if I go into China. Really? Yeah, like, you have to scan, then you have the interview, they ask you questions, they check your passport. It's pretty similar. Like, Mm. okay, getting a visa in China is even more difficult than in the U.S., even just for work. Really? But I feel like the process is very similar. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, about your visa process, um, was there anything you haven't mentioned yet? So, like, you went to the interview. It was was expensive. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sure. There's oh, fees. That's you have yeah. To pay. I was gonna yeah. say. So, how much? How much was the application fee for your guys's visas? I honestly don't remember. Uh, it should be around a thousand plus the lawyer cost. Honestly, at this well, point. Well, yeah, you have the lawyer cost. At this point, for my four different visas that I've already obtained, I've probably paid like I don't know two yeah, or three thousand. Flight tickets, Frankfurt. But to give you another idea, when we moved here, I moved here with my wife. And even though we are on a work visa, she's like on a visa related to mine, mm-hmm. she had to get a work permit, which was $495 Jeez, just to get the work please. permit. And we have to get it renewed every year and a half. So every year and a half, you have to pay that fee again? No, now it's only 410 Oh, so cheap, so cheap. <laughs> no, but yeah, every year and a half or I think it's that time frame, we have to pay it again. Uh-huh. It's literally just getting a new, looks like an ID. So my, my degree, it's called the Gleichwertigkeitsbescheinigung. That costs like 200 euros, but normally you wouldn't have to, they already have a database of degrees that are recognized and you don't have to pay anything. You just say, this is my degree, This you can see it's been recognized. But with my degree, it's kind of a more niche degree, so it hasn't been recognized by any official German 
body yet, so they have to check that. That's why it costs 200 euros. Yeah. Um, but the visa itself or the interview, the fee for it is only 75 euros. Oh, wow, that's cheap. Well, in the US, it depends on the visa category because I've paid different fees before, but it's definitely at least several hundreds. Um, I would say. And also like what you usually have to do, which like in your case, I'm not sure if you had to do that, but you usually have to prove that you're not going to be unemployed um, after you enter the country. So you have to prove that you have a job opportunity lined up or that you have a bunch of money. <laughs> I, I, so my, my visa especially says, hey, this is Nicholas. He works for this company. Yeah. And if I lose my job, I have a month to leave the country. Yeah. Okay, okay. So my company has this name in my visa. Uh -huh. Okay. Yeah. So for you, like that was their guarantee that you're going to be employed yeah. because you were yes. there with the company. You also have to do that for Germany, right? To yeah, that. I have to. I mean, well, not necessarily. Not so the financial as, Amer as an American, it, there are kind of three different ways that the German government handles foreigners. You have the e foreigners from the EU. Mm -hmm. Then you have foreigners from the Schengen area. And then you have, well, sorry, no, you have foreigners from the EU slash Schengen area. Then you have preferred foreigners, if you are. That's not what they call them, but... Is foreigners that you? that's me so <laughs> foreigners from countries that have special agreements with germany so mm -hmm. i think australia japan the us they all have special agreements with germany and mm -hmm. then you have your third the third category of people who don't have agreements but as an american i can go to germany for 90 days with no no job opportunities or anything and i can search for work while i'm there during those 90 days and then if i get a job then i just have to go to the um German, I don't know, what is it called? The migration office and apply for a residency permit there. Okay. So I could go there without a job. I don't have to prove that I have okay. any money or so anything. So it's different. But in my case, since I'm going to show up and want to work pretty much immediately, I have to prove that I have a work contract. And um, there are a couple of different documents that I have to show mm -hmm. then. But in general, it's pretty simple. Okay. Well, one more thing that I wanted to talk about in regards to Nicholas is uh, your wife. Because you, you talk about your girlfriend and then suddenly she was your wife. So oh, basically uh, you guys yeah. got married for the visa, right? I mean, it was a big love story, no, but... <laughs> <laughs> well, not only, not only, of course, but like the reason why you got married yeah, we, so quickly Yeah, we looked at different options for her to come over here yeah. with me, but we said, hey, it's easiest if we are married. So my 2017-18 was crazy. I came back from the U.S. in end November... Got the visa in December, got married in January, and moved in February. Mm -hmm. And so, you got married super last minute, right? Yeah, so it's just my parents, her grandparents, her parents, and I think my oh, brother. Yeah. So my friends are still very mad at me. <laughs> so how long were you guys together again before you guys decided to Seven and a half years ago? Yeah. I mean, Seven so like, yeah, for you guys... So it's a committed relationship. Exactly. But well, it's like, not like a married girlfriend of like six months. No. Yeah, you probably wouldn't have married at that point though if it hadn't been for the no visa. you know like in germany we get married at a later Late, point yeah. yeah so it's not like in, in the u.s you get married in college or yeah. right after that but it just made sense at a point and we were getting married anyway at one point so we yeah. said hey let's do a small marriage or small wedding now and then we still have promised a big one when we come back <laughs> five, years like later. five years later five years later yeah we better be invited to yeah this. i want to be there Notice he doesn't give us an invitation. <laughs> you invite yourself to so many things. <laughs> well, I think, I mean, Faley, do you have any other questions? Well, or Nicholas, did we want to other... cover taxes at all? Because we kind of talked about it last time, but it's a huge topic. I mean, we've been talking for a while so We far, have. So. It's, it's a bunch of complicated stuff. Well, let's just say that um, the taxation process is kind of complicated, but fortunately there is an agreement between Germany and the U.S. Yeah, so that you don't have process. to pay double taxes. Yeah. And for me, just to give an example, for the first five years that I'm here, 
I'm still in the German social system, so I pay in my retirement fund in Germany, I have my healthcare in Germany, and all the stuff, it's very simple. So how do you have your healthcare in Germany? Is it still through the company? It's, or? it's uh, a German healthcare provider, and they have a special US insurance, and it's through the company. Okay. But it's not that I pay part of my salary. Like normally in Germany, you pay 6.7% or so. For healthcare, it's 146 But that's combined. Yes, you, oh, yeah, it's 7.3 yeah. as a... As every, I think it's like basically 50-50 split, but yeah. no, um, my company is nice enough to just pay the health insurance for me and my wife here in the US, which is an awesome health insurance. But also in Germany? Or yeah, it's an international health insurance. Okay, so like whenever you, you go home, you still, you're still insured in Germany? Yeah, I can go wherever well. in the world and that's, I'm insured. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. So it's, it's a great health insurance, yeah. no deductibles and all this good yeah. stuff. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, I guess like we have covered a lot. One more thing that we also had on our list was the whole Ausbildungs topic, I, but I, I think we can cover I would that say, another yeah, time. We'll cover that another we'll time. Back. And I was going to we'll say, I don't think Niklas would have anything against coming back and yeah, answering some questions. So like, if you guys have questions for, for Niklas or yeah, for us as we, as we move forward, please, as we've always said, we have a website where you can leave us comments. It's understandingtrainstation.com. You can email us at understandingtrainstation at gmail.com. You can go to Instagram and DM us, comment. Um, also, Understanding Train Station, you can go to YouTube or if you're watching, hi, and you can comment here. And um, since we've mainly now talked about the whole like work-related stuff, maybe um, you have any personal questions for Niklas exactly. or like culturally. I was also going to say, I think he's finally representing the underrepresented Northern Germans that yep. I know I've complained <laughs> in your videos sometimes. So if you want us to talk maybe more about cultural differences between North, Northern and Southern Germany, yeah. I think that would be an interesting thing. Yeah. Uh, Let Nik us know Niklas has a very different are. accent than, uh, than Feli does for yeah, example. Yeah, in so. English, but also in German. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah German. Some, some words where they make fun of me, so. <laughs> <laughs> I do sometimes. Um, but yeah, so feel free to comment and we'll gladly have Niklas back on the podcast. Yeah, thanks for coming, Niklas. We really appreciate you taking time to come talk to us. Absolutely, always. I also like learned a lot today, guys. Yeah, me too, me too. So um, I hope you enjoyed it too, to all of our listeners. Yes, I did. And, um, <laughs> well, yes, I did. <laughs> um, well, glad you did. And we'll, we'll, we'll see be you back. guys next week with another topic. Well, I guess we won't see them, but they will see us. They'll see us, hear they'll us. hear us. <laughs> and hopefully, we'll read your comments. Yep. Um, but yeah, we'll, we're looking forward to talking to you guys again next week. Thanks yeah. for listening. Tschüss. Ciao. Tschüss. Vielen Dank. Vielen Dank.